What's up, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of Culture Class Podcast. I am your host for the time being, Akanji. Everybody knows me as Tangwa on this podcast. So I'm your host, Tangwa, and I'm super excited to be talking to Talik Nantes today. I hope I said your name right. Yes, Talik Nantes. Talik. <laughs> so first of all, um, we're going to get into a little bit of background, you know, on you and what you do. But where is your name from? I think it's such a beautiful name. Thank you. It's uh, Klingon. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, my mother was a uh, a fan of Star Trek, and oh. she that name uh, Talik means success in Klingon, so she decided to to name me that, and it, and it stuck. <laughs> Wow. Okay, wait. You're saying Klingon. Right. And you're saying it like that this is a reference that most people would get. But forgive me, I, I most references go like right over my head. So is this something from Star Trek? Is this what like... Yes, it's something from Star Trek. It's purely fictional. Uh, the, this, 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 uh, the Klingons were another species of people that came from another planet. And uh, she thought that they were cool. And she thought that that would be such an original name and that people would ask me about it and that it would be... A conversation starter and an icebreaker. And I'm sure that has happened a lot in your life. Constantly. Case in point. Um, all right. And, and so you're a Cuban. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, I was born in New York City of Cuban parents. My mother was pregnant with me when she traveled from Cuba to the United States. So we like to say that I was made in Havana and born in the USA. Oh, <laughs> that I feel like that sounds like a lyric to a song. Well, there's a song now that was very popular by, oh my God, I can't Havana, remember her name. Havana. Yeah, exactly. Havana. Na, na, na. But, and her name is uh, Camila Cabello. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's so cool. Um, okay, so talk to the people a little bit about your background. I know that you have a travel blog, you're passionate about exploring different places in the world, and that has led to several opportunities, including writing books. But just give a little bit of you know background about what you do. Sure. I uh, always wanted to travel since uh, I've never remembered a time where I either didn't travel or I didn't want to travel. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, would travel back and forth to Cuba from the United States uh, until the political situation made that difficult. But I think that that's one of the things that just made me fall in love with travel. And I went to school in Italy, uh, high school, and um, I always wanted to be an international business, not so much because I was interested in the business aspects of it, but more than I was just, or I wanted to travel. How do I get my passport stamped as many times as possible? Well, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. (laughs) But I was also very, very interested in different cultures. I just had a passion for different cultures. And that's how you get to know different cultures by going to where they are. So I did get a business degree, an international business, and I got an MBA and I began a career, well, a 40 year career in international business with companies like Kraft Foods, uh, General Mills. And um, let's see, that led to living in uh, China for about eight years on and off. I lived in Mexico for four years, um, Spain for about a year, London for about two years. Um, Colombia for about eight months and small stints in other places like Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Um, let's see, I worked in just about everywhere. I worked in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in Asia, uh, Latin America, the Caribbean, um, all over Europe. And uh, after 40 years, well, that's it. That, that's it for the career. So I'm like, again, like, how do I continue feeding this, the, 
this voracious wanderlust. So I decided to create a travel blog. And the original intention was to just share my travel experiences and to uh, give travel advice and tips to people because they were always asking me, hey, you travel so much. What's the best airline to use? Or how do I make sure I don't get ripped off? Or how do I stay safe? That sort of thing. So I figured, okay, there's a market for sharing this information with people. That's all I've ever done all my life. And also I wanted to to monetize it. And I decided to start tours because these were places uh, that I was very familiar with, like Cuba and China. But most people are not. People are concerned about Cuba. It's like a big bugaboo. It's like, oh, what's that? Can Americans go? Can they not go? How is it safe? Oh my God, is it communist? All of these things. And it's it's actually beautiful, safe. And they actually do like Americans. There's no connection between the Cuban government and, and the people. Yeah. Um, the people are extremely friendly and, and very beautiful. I think that's something that people, uh, people over, it's easily oversight. Like people over, easily like, you know, overlook that. Oftentimes the government is this entity that you, you see in the, in the news and like all of these things are happening. But the actual people living in that government often don't have that direct correlation a lot yes. of the time. And, and so when when your perception of a place is shaped by what you see on the news in the political um, sphere, that can be detrimental to like, you know, cultural exploration and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I wanted to dispel that and I wanted to communicate that Cuba is beautiful and it's safe. It's one of the safest countries in the world. And right now it has one of the highest uh, vaccination rates as well. Um, and they did it with their own vaccine. Also, China is a place that is of course, very far away, but people perceive it not only physically far away, but they perceive it culturally very, very distant. And again, because of the government and the reputation that it has, uh, people are concerned with visiting it. And also, like, how do I go there? I don't speak Chinese. Where? How does this work? How does that work? So I decided, hey, let me just take people to these neighborhoods where where I lived and the restaurants that I ate and in the beautiful museums that I went to and, and to have them have dinners in the homes of Chinese people. The same thing in Cuba. In Cuba, they actually stay in the homes of Cuban people. Wow. Uh, See, you're, making me, like, you're making me think about this. And there is a difference between the experience that you get when you're minding your business and you're like, oh, I'm due for a vacation. And then you go online and you buy a flight ticket and you pop over to China or Cuba and you live in a fancy hotel, maybe by the beach or one of those experiences that is expected of tourists, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's a difference between that and then doing actually living in the home of a Cuban yes experiencing the culture that way so describe some of those tours that you do first of all like how what's the structure for it like how do you put it together how do you get people to sign up for this well how do I put it together is that I go there and I know so many of so many people people that give the local tours and uh, people that do transportation they have the the vehicles that'll take you from one city to the other I know the restaurants to go to where the, the food is is very authentic, not just for tourists. And there is a very wide uh, network of what they call casas particulares in Cuba, or the translation is private homes. And people will, Cubans will rent out either an apartment of theirs or a room. It's it's an Airbnb. It's identical to Airbnb. So I will 
take people there. How do I get the people? Is I have my blog and uh, I've got uh, a very uh, pretty wide uh, you know, social media network. Also, I have a Facebook group for uh, women uh, over 50, over 50 women travelers resource community. That's Ooh, the name that's of it. So and uh, I've got a couple of thousand people there as well. So, and I've got a lot of friends, a lot of other bloggers that have similar setups that I can communicate with them. I will promote their businesses, their tours. Like I work very closely with a woman that does tours to India and then they will promote mine as well. But right now, because of COVID, we have been uh, completely postponing everything for the past, uh, for the past uh, 20, 20, almost two years now. Isn't that Um, unfortunate? Oh my God. uh, Yes, it is. It is. But I think that I I don't know. I'm certainly in no position to give my opinion as to what's going to happen with COVID. I hope it ends very, very quickly. I, I, I understand from the news that, yeah, it probably will. Uh, we're ready to, to start restart our tours immediately. And, and I've got one that is open right now. Uh, for uh, northern Spain. So wow, September. So I th- like I can just imagine having an authentic experience, especially for someone like me who is interested in in people's cultures and why they think the way they do. Going and living in a in a hotel and then and not this is not the same thing bad about that, right? And but going and living in a hotel and going to all the tourist places, like if you Google, I want to go to Spain, top ten places to go to. Everyone's going to tell you, you know, Barcelona or like some of the places that everybody goes to already. And while it's nice those cities are set up to be touristy they're set up so that you come and you have the traditional tourist experience and be that as it may you may or may not get the authentic Spanish culture from that and and you know there are different parts of Spain where the cultures are different too so it's like I I like the idea that you have uh, I would say maybe a, a more immersive experience when you actually go and live in a traditional Spanish home you eat the way that they would not because it's out of a restaurant but like this is what you know grandma would cook for her grandson on Saturday evening yeah and I agree 100% um, I, I also what you said that there's nothing wrong with that there yeah, is absolutely. nothing wrong with that That that's yeah. perfectly fine and people travel different ways they have different things that appeal to them there are some people that like all inclusive resorts Mm-hmm. They love that. They're not interested in leaving that because they want the, the comfort, the predictability, yeah. the familiarity, uh, the all-inclusive nature of that. Yeah. They want that. And, and I can understand that perfectly. Other people prefer different forms of travel. This immersive experiential travel that I specialize in yeah. is, is, is something that's going to appeal to people that like that type of travel. So what, what kind of people do you, in terms of like who's more interested in these like is it a variety of different age groups do you find that more younger people who are you know uh more open to the possibility of living in someone else's house as opposed to like you know because i'm sure i feel like maybe depending on how old the person is or how much experience you have or you know how much money you have your tastes will differ right so like talk a little bit about who actually like uh joined some of these tours and like what kind of people do you expect to hang around well i specialize in women uh over 50 oh that like to travel so those are the people that i that i will target the people that i focus on in my uh social media uh network so that's the kind of people that uh, that is going uh that's going to come back to me um but is having said that the group that i took to cuba was uh 
let's say it was 50-50. It was, uh, there, there were some young people, who, there was a woman in her 20s, she was also a blogger, there was a guy, a, a physician's assistant who was in his, uh, his early 30s, and there was a, a couple um, that were in their 50s and uh, other people, but it was pretty well divided. Uh, but at that time, I was not focusing almost exclusively on women over 30, so that okay. that's gonna change now. I fully expect the people to be um, mostly female, although I do not limit my my trips to just one sex, one gender. Um, I don't believe in separation of the sexes. <laughs> although I know that there's a lot of uh, exclusively female tours, and, and that's fine too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's that's who I'm going to to end up with on these tours. So so I'm imagining you in you know 110 different countries over the span of your life, and for you to set something up like this and still be able to remember, oh my God, I went to this restaurant when I was in Brazil for that one year and it was just so fabulous and ex- like, ex- you know, I this was authentic Brazilian food and I would recommend this to everybody. I imagine that you kind of took a lot of, a lot of notes, took a lot of pictures. Like, so how was that transitioning from, I travel for work, but this gives me an opportunity to go different places in the world to, I actually want to tell people about this. Was there, was it easy or was it like a seamless? It was, it was pretty seamless and the reason is I tended to do that anyway because people would ask me about it and I would tell them, okay, well, I went to Brazil and this is this is where this is the type of food that I ate and this is the restaurant that I went to and the beach was very nice and uh, I went to this museum. I love museums and uh, and then when I stopped that part of my life, the corporate world, and started doing travel blogging, I just wrote this these things down and just showed the picture in a more systematic way rather than just a haphazard talking to my friends and family. Yeah. So it was pretty seamless. Yeah. What are some of your favorite? I I feel like for someone like you who's been so many places, I I can imagine this answer being like, oh my God, how do I pick one? But like, what country did you, do you feel like you've had the most fun outside of Cuba? Because I feel like you're going to be biased. I was going to say Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Cuba's not an option because of course you're from Cuba. Of course that's But if you couldn't pick Cuba, what other country would you say you had the most fabulous time in? Wow, most fabulous time. Most fabulous time. That means best food, nicest people that I met, most interesting things. I'd have to say China. I'd have to say China. I I was lucky enough to have responsibility for the entire country in in that particular job. And I traveled a lot as a result. I traveled with with the across country. Yeah, I traveled a lot with the the regional managers and uh, they were... I, we went to very nice restaurants and saw some amazing things. I mean, Beijing, uh, Tiananmen Square and the, and the, uh, the Forbidden City. I had dreamed about the Forbidden City forever, all my life. The minute I knew that such a thing existed, I just thought about it. And I finally went and I went a lot. And whenever I go there, I go there. Like Whenever I go to Beijing, I go to the Forbidden City. I don't care how many times I've seen it. Still walking through those gates, those massive gates and seeing one uh, of the open space after the yeah. other. There's so many of them and they just go on and on and the pagodas are just just massive. It's just it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. I Also, the um, uh, Egypt created a, a, a great impression as well. I was just going to say, note to self, add Forbidden City to your bucket list. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Just yeah. for myself, it's like, do that in the future one day. Um, but okay, so it sounds like travel, and, and you did say this, where like you can't remember a time when, you know, traveling or wanting to travel wasn't going through your mind. Um, and your mom had a travel agency growing up. Yes, I feel like that's did. probably where you got the, the bug. I think that I got it from three things. One is the fact that I we traveled back and forth since since the moment since the moment since before I was born um, for the first six years of my life uh, to to Cuba. I, a second one was once when a relative I asked a relative where he was going and he flippantly said, "Oh, to the end of the world." I mean, I was a kid asking the question. He wanted to get rid of me. He said, "Oh, the end of the world." I thought it was a real place, and I became obsessed with what is that place like? Where is it? I have to go there. What do they eat? How cold is it? Is it hot? What's it like? And, and that really just put a set of fire in me as to wow. di- diff- different places. And then the third one, I would. Have have to say, sitting in my mother's travel agency, she had a, a huge map on the wall and I would stare at it for forever. And I would just imagine what things were like in places like Fiji and Egypt and for some yeah. reason, Libya. And uh, so that I wanted to visit those places. I, and I think that that combination of things, also being raised in New York City, where everybody's from someplace else, yeah, that yeah. also um, informed a lot. That also influences. Yes, I believe. That's so cool that like someone says to you, I want to I'm going to the end of the world and, and you fixate on that. And yeah. over a whole lifetime, this is your mission is to find that end of the world. And I think that actually you have tried to do that. I did. I, I went to Ushuaia in southern Argentina, which is officially the southernmost town of the world. And I sent myself a postcard from the southernmost post office of the world. And I wrote about it uh, as well. So that kind of to me was like, hey, OK, yeah, I did see the I did make it to the end of the world. That is so <laughs> fantastic. I am so in love with that story. Um, I think that many times if we're paying enough attention, the things and the purpose that we are called to this earth to fulfill, somehow we have encountered those. And I love stories like yours where it's like, I knew because this one moment, you know, many people go on in life searching for that one moment where it's like everything becomes so clear and to find it so young and to chase it for this long and still be just as passionate about it now as you were when you were a kid staring at the map in your mom's um, office is just, I think that's incredible. I think it's incredibly blessed, incredibly lucky. And like, I, I, I imagine that you feel very fulfilled. For that, in that aspect, absolutely. But it's very interesting to hear it put so clearly and so succinctly uh, by somebody else. You know, especially somebody that doesn't really know me and was like, oh, my God, yes, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, that, that's cool. <laughs> and as much as as much as that is, you know, so fulfilling to live in your purpose and to for everything that you do to to mean to come under that one big meaning. Right. There has to be some opportunities or some challenges or some things where or moments in your life where you're like, OK, do I settle at this point? Like how much is enough? Did you ever get any of those kind of thoughts? Not for trying. 
traveling, no, no. On the contrary, the more you travel, the more you want to travel. I never thought that this is it. I have to settle. Never, ever. So what was what was something that, you know, in, in your kind of tour of the world, I would say, is that you kept thinking about like, OK, maybe I need to do this or maybe I, I, I don't have enough time to do. Like, has there ever been any challenge to this life? Well, I've been married for going on 40 years and uh, I, I met my husband. Thank you. <laughs> I met my husband yeah. at work and he was doing the same job that I was doing. And we inevitably got we got married and then we inevitably got transferred to different parts of the world at different times. Yeah. And we spent our entire careers uh, meeting halfway or meeting him going to where I was or me going to where he was. And sometimes we were lucky that we were in close proximity to each other. Like I was in London and he was in Madrid or the other way around. He was in Barcelona or I was in uh, Miami and he was in uh, in Costa Rica and, and we could see each other relatively frequently, but we would have preferred to spend more time together during those periods of, of our lives. But yeah. now we've been together like almost 24 hours a day. <laughs> and now I'm saying, oh my God, let's go back to the way it was. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, the grass is always greener on the other side. But what, what people forget often is the grass is greener where you water it. And I think it, it must have taken intention to make that work and to make those years of it did. Like, Costa Rica and you're in Italy. How do we make this happen? Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it took a, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of expenses, flying to each other's places, um, making the sacrifices of, of uh, not doing something in order to be able to meet together. And but we we were made for each other because we both understood that we both felt the same way about that that uh, that ferocious wanderlust, and we both respected our career choices and were very supportive of each other in in pursuing those career objectives. You absolutely need that. You need someone to understand who you are and either meet you halfway about who you are or let you be who you are without, you know, feeling like they need to hold you back. And, and I think that's really important to find somebody, whatever you choose to do in life. And this is for the classmates out there. Find somebody who gets you, who, you know, is similar enough to you where they're like, let's gallivant the world together or who will let you do what you need to do without feeling like they need to, you know, press pause at some point, you know? Yes. Cool. Um, okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a 160, okay? Um, I want to talk a little bit about the books that you have published. To be on the Amazon bestselling list is not, it's no small feat, okay? So we're going to start right there. Thank you. What's the name of that book? Tell us a little bit about how it came to be. Okay, that book is Cuban Exile Memories. And how it came to be is that Cubans are forever, because of our, our history, our political history, and, and having to leave, uh, Cubans left their country in the early yeah. 60s and throughout though even after that even today they're still doing it because of the political situation and all of the difficulties that they encountered leaving Cuba and everything that they encountered coming to the United States and trying to integrate into a completely new culture with a new language and uh, and different ways of doing things and we have a celebration the night before Christmas which is called Nochebuena it translates into good night and where we have a specific uh, type of dish and uh, we we, we eat grapes and it, it's very regimented. The, you have to eat this and you have to eat that. And oh. we have champagne and we're celebrating. And that's like the big, big Christmas for us. Not the 25th, the 24th oh. 
that night, Christmas Eve. And people always tell stories about so-and-so that came from Cuba and, oh, this funny story happened to him. And, and this one couldn't understand the language. So she had this difficulty. All of these stories and everybody always says, you know, somebody should take these stories, put them in a book. And that's what I did. Yeah. After hearing that for years and years and years, I finally said, all right, guys, tell me your story. It's going into a book. And I just couldn't shut people up. They were just so hungry to communicate their experiences. And uh, so I, I put it up on Amazon and it was the uh, number one launch in the Latin American literature category. Yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> fantastic. I think that even the people whose stories are featured in this book, they must have been thinking, oh my God, look, our story is going to live forever essentially now. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they would say, they, they would say that. Yeah. And also a lot of people felt that it was important to communicate communicate those stories to the second and the third generation that don't know what some of these people went through. And also it was pride of having overcome obstacles like that and and being successful in, in everybody's each person's own way in, in a new country. Yeah. Well, it's what's the immigrant most, experience. It, it truly is. And I'm, you're saying these things and I'm thinking I am the daughter of immigrants. I am an immigrant myself. I came here, what, 10 years ago when I was 18 or 11 years ago now when I was 18 and mm. I moved with my mom and all of my siblings. So, you know, haven't been in the United States for that long, but I can completely relate to the immigrant experience. It's a new place. It's a new culture. I did speak English before I came here, but, you know, it still doesn't just because you speak the language doesn't often bridge that gap, you know, in a seamless way. Um, so I think, you know, the idea that we record some of these challenges, some of these wins, some of the, the things that people just fall into because that's what everybody from Cuba who lives in this corner of New York is doing. This happened in the African community. Everybody's doing home health aid. You know, that's what you, you come to America. This is what you do. Everybody's studying to be a nurse. You come to America. That's what you do because that's what your community is doing. And these different stories, I think, inform how we become part of, you know, this society that we're in. And it could, it could be America. It could be somewhere in Europe, whatever it is. There's always something and so my question for you then is of the, the stories that you told what was the most striking one for you or couple oh, uh, oh I'm gonna cry <laughs> just thinking about one of them made me cry so I'm not gonna say that one that's for sure um Come on. okay it here it goes yes now when my mother died my sister and I went through her her belongings <clears throat> and we found a little pouch and inside there was some soil and in, in there was a little piece of paper that said land from my Cuba. That is so beautiful. And we didn't even know that that existed. Had we known, my sister and I known that that existed, we would have buried it with her. Um, so that's one example. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a, Thank here's you for a funny sharing one. that. First of all, <laughs> just pause. Thank you for sharing. That is such a beautiful thing because what happens is when a family moves from their country, this is home. This is where you know the neighbors. This is where if you don't have salt in your kitchen, you could go knock on your neighbor's door and say, can I get some salt? And they will give you salt and not ask you any questions about it. This is where like your neighbors spank your kids because they know that they can do that. Right. I come from a culture that that's acceptable. And when you move all of that and come to a place like here, it can be as, as much as it is, you know, this adventure and it's like a new opportunity and there's so much on the horizon that you're looking forward to. Home is always going to have a different feeling. And when someone internalized, I don't even know if the word is internalized, but when you capture something like that, like home in such a mundane yet 
powerful way, I think that says a lot about what really goes through people's minds when they make these shifts, especially for parents who have young kids who are like, I'm not really leaving because I'm so, because I don't want to stay in my country. I'm only leaving because my kids could have so much more in this new place. I think that captures that so well. So thank you for sharing that. I truly appreciate it. (laughs) Sure. And the thing is that Cubans cannot go back generally or, or, or simply either cannot go back legally for a lot of reasons or they just don't want to because it's it's just going to bring back horrible memories but i think that other immigrants can go back and i think that that's nice and uh, uh, not being able to go back it 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 must be yeah it must be a feeling of that's it it's really over of, of disconnecting your past from your present but um, but I go back. I go back. I wasn't born there. I was born in New York, but I, I do go back very, very frequently. And I, I really love it. Um, tell you a funny story to, to, to change <laughs> balance the mood, it. balance it out. Right. Um, there was a gentleman that needed a job, like all of these immigrants that came here and um, needed a job quickly and quite desperately. So he's going through the news, the Spanish language newspaper, and he sees an ad for a mortuary assistant. And it says, oh, excuse experience required. So the guy shows up and, and so many of these people did that. He shows up as me, mortuary all my life. I was born in the mortuary. I have so much experience. You have no idea. I've done everything, blah, blah, blah. Apparently they were desperate enough that they didn't ask a lot of questions. So they hired the guy and then they told him, well, you have so much experience here. You know, we're going to leave you here tonight. You take care of this corpse. Make sure that you dress this corpse properly because the burial is tomorrow or the showing is tomorrow. And they left him alone. And he had no idea. He starts trying to like put a dress on the corpse and, and all of a sudden the the, the corpse breathes and sighs and an arm falls down and the guy just totally freaked him. he just ran I'm out. a freak I'm freaking right now and you're telling me this <laughs> but he actually came back because he needed the job so desperately and he turned turned the corpse had not moved beyond that and later on he learned that corpses will the air will leave and they will deflate and they'll make a sound as they're doing so and that's what happened but he didn't know that at the time. So you can imagine he was alone with what a corpse oh. never had oh. done that before. He, he had, ended up something. keeping the job. I am freaking out. Okay. I, nowhere around anything that is not, doesn't have life in it anymore. I don't want to be ever. No. <laughs> So, so I'm not, a, I can't even imagine being left alone at night with a, no, that is freak. I would freak out too. Yeah. But that's the kind of things that people did because they got, had a kid at home or, you know, a sick mother, or they, they just had no money to pay the rent. You know, so they, they didn't have a choice, but to take whatever came along, he was, he ended up being there for about a year. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure nothing scares him now. Uh, he passed away, but <laughs> that's 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 such a. But I mean, and I we kind of talked about this a little bit in terms of like people will do things because you come in a new place and whatever opportunity you you get is what you get, right? And and there's this level of I came here for a purpose is to give my young ones an opportunity beyond what I have. So whatever I have to do right now, there's no shame in a job, you know. When you're that level, there's no shame in what you can and cannot do, and and you don't have a lot of options to be picking anyway so absolutely wow i could talk to you all day oh my god um some of these stories are just like incredible um but so 
Amazon best-selling list, um, traveled over 110 countries. Do you have like a personal goal to travel to all 230? No, uh, no. I, I would like to travel to some places in particular. I would love to see Iran and I, I will. I'll, I'll make that a, a, a priority. I, I will go there at some point. And I, I just find the culture so, so incredible in the architecture and yeah. the art in general and the food. I had a lot of Iranian food in the Middle East and it and it's really, really exceptional. I'd like to see that. I'd like to do parts of either the entire Silk Route or I'd like to do parts of the ancient Silk Silk Route. And there is a tour in uh, next year going to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, I think it is. Um, I would like to do that. I don't know if I'll be able to do that next year, but I, that's the place that I would like to see. Okay. Um, more of China. You can never have enough of China. Wow, you love um, China. I, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And, and also I would like to see parts of, of Africa, your part of the world, uh, West Africa. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Gabon. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Senegal. Um, oh, oh my God. And also East Africa, oh, of course. Yeah. I'd like to see Kenya and Tanzania. And Where Zanzibar. have you gone so far in Africa? In Africa, uh, South Africa, Mozambique, and Morocco, uh, Togo, Ivory Coast. Oh, that's and, pretty close to Cameroon. Yeah, it is close to Cameroon, yeah. Togo, I, I wasn't planning on going to Togo, but we hit this incredible turbulence and the plane landed and we were, oh, Nigeria. Oh my God, I worked in Nigeria. I got to forget Nigeria. I, I was going from Ivory Coast, Abidjan, to Lagos, Nigeria, and oh. we we stopped in, in Togo oh. because of the uh, the turbulence. That um, was a bit scary. So that was scary. Yeah, that was scary. Do you have any other like travel, travel, like travel, um, like in transit scares, or maybe not scares, but like funny things that happen? Like, oh my God, here's my favorite. I ended up in, not even gonna, I'm going to tell you what happened at the end. <laughs> I, I love to get massages in Asia because they're cheaper. Yeah. So, and there's a place called Dragonfly that they have branches all over China that I like to go to. Mm -hmm. So I was in a new city that I was not very familiar with um, and uh, I wanted to go. So I looked and it's I see, oh, it's very far away from the hotel that I was at. But then I remembered, oh, I saw a place nearby. So yeah. I go and I explain to people, oh, a massage, I mime it and everything. <laughs> and these women are having this conversation in Chinese with each other behind this beaded curtain and it's like loud and they're like and, and I think that they're talking about me but they, they they look at it they open the curtain they look at me they close it again and they have a conversation again <laughs> all of this is going on and I'm there like am I here at the wrong time or, or, or you know are everybody out to lunch am I intruding so finally she indicates to me come come takes me to her room gives me a massage a pretty mediocre massage um we finish I give her the money and I left and then the next day in the office people would do all talking about hey what'd you do over the weekend and i said oh i got a massage and said, oh my god you went all the way down to dragonfly i said no i went to this place over here that were pointed out to us turns out it was a brothel <gasps> oh. <laughs> so now i understand why these people were saying what the hell and one must have been saying to the other one well, why not what the hell she's got the money <laughs> give her a massage she wants a massage and that's what they did oh so they were talking because they're trying to decide like this is not really what we do but we and they were saying you know should we do this i mean yeah. she wants us a massage yeah so that was one another time in brazil i took a customer who was a hasidic jew mm -hmm. to a place called Por cow 
um, which is uh, a pork restaurant. And that's they serve every conceivable type of pork. And this guy is Hasidic. He's got the payas. He's dressed all in black. And you know, he walks into a pork restaurant. And it's, oh, my God, I could have died. I could have <laughs> died. He was so nice. He yeah. had salad. And, yeah. you know, he said, don't worry about it. But, you know, those are the, the funny things that happen to you with these oh, culture man. clashes. So are you going to write your example. own autobiography of just your experience? Or that's, are you documenting that on the blog? And that's 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 enough. I've, I've documented bits and pieces of it in the blog. Um, but I, I think I would like to. Yeah, I think I would. I, I've got a draft in my head. Um, but I just haven't sat down beyond the, the, the draft concept. Behind, beyond the imagining it, I haven't done anything. I've, we've just been so busy with so many other things. Wow. I think you have such, a, you have lived such an incredible life. Um, do you have like children? No, I do not. No, that would have been really difficult to pull off yeah. the kids. Yeah. And the, so I missed that one. What are you going to do? I think you're happy. I think you I think you emanate a good energy like you have lived a fulfilled life and you continue to live a fulfilled life and I think that that comes across um thank you yeah. <laughs> I feel that way so um like I said I think I could talk to you forever because I mean I'm fascinated with things that happen to people and then random stories like you know taking someone who shouldn't be eating any kind of pork to a pork restaurant and not knowing it um and those kinds of things but I think that you know with your breadth of experience you can inform you know young people or, or people who just love the idea of traveling I think a lot of this they can find in your blog but if you could think about like top two things we only do two because so that we can send everybody to the blog to go find out the rest but top two things or misconceptions that people have when they're traveling by themselves um and and how to I guess. oh okay one is that travel is, exp- is expensive and that is not true you can travel very very economically please um, sign me up for the class on how to do that <laughs> okay yes uh, by all means uh, hostels are not what they were back in, in, in the old days when it was just a big room with uh, with, bu- with beds all over, a big auditorium with just rows and rows of bed and, and, a, and a bathroom. Wait, 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 wait. That's a whole other thing. That's what hostels used to look like? Yeah, that's what they used to look like. <laughs> in the, that scares in, even yeah. me. In, my, in my, my 20s and 30s, that's what they used to look like. No, but it's a different ball game now. That's very nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they can be very reasonably priced. Also, travel local... Uh, uh, use local transportation. Don't use taxis. Um, that's important. Don't, you'll save a lot of money by learning the subway system. Like, especially you're only going to be there for a couple of days. I mean, just go from point A to point B, but you're going to save tons of money. Uh, buses as well. Or walk. Walking is perfect. Oh, take the free walking tours in cities. That's that will save free you. walking tours in cities? Yeah. yeah, just just put in the city that you want and then plug in free walking tours and a couple of them will come up. They're based on on uh, on tips. So okay. yeah, it's a, a so tipping. Bring something tipping. to encourage the the tour guide. But oh, that's, yeah. those are some really good ones. And I don't think anybody ever thinks about a walking tour because, like, I mean, we live in this day and age of like Uber and you know everything's fast, 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 and convenient, convenient. Sometimes I think you know we miss the the, the hidden opportunities in the things that we used to have to do because there wasn't any Uber, you know, and there wasn't any quick yeah. taxi. Or yeah, people would take taxis. Well, yeah, when there weren't any available. But yeah, Uber is and Lyft are their extremely convenient. But I, again, I try to avoid them. I, unless it's absolutely necessary, I will do my everything that I can to learn enough about the local transportation system to, to go wherever I want to go. Subways are very easy all over. 
No, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. So another tip on saving money, don't eat near a tourist uh, section, a tourist area. Try and eat like at least five blocks away from a tourist area. And so like New York City, for example, you can't eat anything in like Manhattan. Oh, no, Manhattan. Yeah, sure. Lots of places. Um, you just don't eat it in Times Square. Square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't, don't eat it like uh, at the, at the, uh, the Statue of Liberty or the uh, the Empire State Building yeah. um, or the fancy restaurants in Soho. You know, try and move away from these sections. Go down the side streets and look to see if that, that people look local that they're eating yeah. there. Honestly, I, I just came back from New York, what, Monday? Uh, oh. We're taping for the classmates. We're taping this episode on a Thursday. I came back from New York on a Monday and we did like a one night thing, me and my husband over there. Um, and I must say it was hard because I just feel like because it's New York City, the idea is that like everything in New York City is expensive. So I didn't even try to look outside of the city. I don't know New York well enough to know like which part would be considered far enough away from all the touristy things where it's like, okay, we're getting to the local territory. And I feel like New York City is all high rise anyway so it's like it just all looks important to me so like well there- there's um a um uh my blog i've got one of my most successful posts on my blog is uh where to eat in new york city without breaking the bank i would have got- use this on sunday well you can use it next time you go to the city yeah. And see, that's a perfect segue into tell everybody where you are, your your blog name, your social media, how to find you um, so that we can get more of these amazing tips. Because I feel Okay, like- yes. My blog is travelswithtalic.com. And you can find me with that same name on Facebook, Travels with Talic, on uh, Twitter, Travels Talic, on Pinterest, Travels with Talic, and uh, Travels with Talic also on Instagram. I also have a Facebook group for women over 50, and the name of it is Over 50 Women Travelers and Resource Community. Um, let's see, where else? Um, also, you, I have a book. My first book was 110 Free uh, Best Travel Tips. You can buy it on Amazon or you can get it for free by subscribing to my blog, travelswithtalic.com. Everybody go subscribe. Freebies waiting for you. It's right there. <laughs> well, Talik, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to your purpose and for walking in your purpose, because I think that, you know, your experiences are helping other people find that purpose. And if it aligns with yours, even better. But if not, it gives them an opportunity to see how someone can do this successfully and, and turn that passion into something that gives them long lasting joy. So I truly appreciate your time and your experience. Um, any like, you know, just parting, maybe I don't want to call them parting words because it just sounds so final but like any last things that you want to say to the classmates of like you know just advice or on life and and here is the the number one travel tip this is the best travel tip of any other travel tip that you have ever gotten this is it the number one travel tip of all time is never 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 agree to a purchase unless you know exactly what it will cost 
Never agree to a purpose unless you know exactly what it's going to cost. And that might be, that might sound simple. Like, of course, that I would do that. You'd be surprised. People get into a taxi when they're traveling and they don't even ask, they tell them the address and they don't even ask the guy to turn on the meter. They don't see if the guy's got a meter. They don't see, they don't ask how much it's going to cost. Things like that. Well, people will order a meal at a restaurant without just order without knowing what the price is people will order a bottle ask for a recommendation for a bottle of wine and the waiter will give you a recommendation you'll order the wine and it turns out that the wine is like i don't know how many a hundred dollars things like that you can't take them back it has to be done before you make the purchase yeah i think that's a good one i think that's a really good note to end on so all you travel bees out there um all you thinking about traveling do it it will enhance your perspective on the world. You don't have to be, you know, have a voracious desire for travel, um, but you can still explore a lot and you can grow and learn and really, it shapes the way you think about the world in so many good ways. So do it. And while you're doing it, go to Talik, travelswithtalik.com and get all the best it possible. Thank you.